Oh ja. Count to five. Yeah, <laughs> Yksi, kaksi, kolme, neljä, viisi. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was much more easy to understand in German than it is in Finland. Finnish, I yeah, Finnish is tough. Wow, what a way to open up 32 Thoughts the podcast. That, by the way, was Miro Heiskanen counting down for us here on the podcast. That was from the uh, the Players Tour in Paris, Elliot Friedman. You'll, you'll remember the look on both of our faces when he started to do that. Now, there are some languages that you have no clue. And, and I have to say, when Heiskanen did that in Finnish, you could have put those numbers in any order on a board and say... Pick which number that corresponds to. I don't think I would have had a clue. Yeah, no chance. No chance. No clue. But we thank him for that, and you will hear from him a little bit later on in the podcast. This is the Western Conference preview. Yesterday we did the East, and here we go. Let's start in the Pacific. Elliot with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff retires. Uh, Sonny Milano is not back, but they welcome in Ryan Strom, Frank Petrano, John Klingberg on the one-year deal. Mason McTavish, ooh, he's a nice hockey player, and Nathan mm-hmm. Beaulieu signs a one-year deal as well. Your thoughts on the Ducks? I'm really excited to see McTavish. I think that's going to be a lot of picks for Rookie of the Year this year. Yep. That's a guy that a lot of people are looking forward to watch. I like this Anaheim team in terms of where they're going. I think they've got a really good group of talented young players. I'm curious about going there from here. Like I said, when they play Arizona, is Verbeek going to dress? Is Aikens going to dress? Are they going to play against the Coyotes when those guys go out there? I'm yeah. curious about Troy Terry. He had a breakout year last year. Does he continue to grow? I'm not expecting a ton from Anaheim when it comes to results. But what I want to see is growth. Because I think that there is room for growth here. And I think they have a plan on where they're going. It's just how they get from here to there. The other thing, too, is here's my prediction. This is just my prediction. Klingberg finishes the year in Edmonton. I could be wrong. That's my prediction. Interesting. I mean, he's in on the one-year deal at $7 million uh, and is a very valuable trade chip for Pat Verbeek. I don't think that would surprise anybody. Like you, I'm very enthused to see Mason McTavish. And I, I, I'm, I, I also agree with you. Like you look at the future of this team, it's McTavish, it's Trevor Zegras, it's Isaac Lundestrom, it's you know Jamie Drysdale, and, and, and Lucas Dostal, which we talked about last podcast. Like you can see where this whole thing is headed. Uh, a team that is about right now, though, are the Calgary Flames. Kachuk out, Johnny Gaudreau out, Sean Monahan out, Eric Goodbranson out. Like I was thinking about this. If I told you, Elliot, two years ago that Kachuk, Gaudreau, Giordano, and Monahan would not be on the Calgary Flames in two years, what would you think? You'd think they've thrown in the towel, right? Not a chance. This is a team that still has Stanley Cup aspirations. Kadri's in, Huberto's in, Uyghur's in. Your thoughts? Boy, that's a, a great point. I didn't really think about it until you just mentioned it that way. It's a huge debate right now, Jeff, and that is, is Calgary closer to the Stanley Cup? Stud goalie, they have one. Yep. Deep D, they have it. Maybe the best in the league. Strength down the middle, they have it. They lost a lot of offense. 
in terms of the way NHL teams are supposed to be built, you have what you're supposed to have. You have the shell of what you're supposed to have. It's going to be interesting because not everybody is convinced. I don't know if they have the offense. I don't know if they're going to be able to score as much as you need to score. But I think they're going to drive people crazy and are going to be really hard to play against. So what's the Daryl Sutter type team? Yes. This is not going to be an 8-6 team. This is going to be a 2-1, to 3-2 to team. No, no, what does Daryl say? It's a 3-2 league. It's a 3-2 league. And this is going to go back to being a 3-2 Calgary Flames. It's a 3-2 league. Uh, Edmonton Oilers, meanwhile, in province, out Duncan Keith, out Mike Smith. Zach Cassian's now in Arizona. Enter Jack Campbell. Your thoughts on what we see from Edmonton this season? I think the Oilers want to win the Stanley Cup. And they're jammed up cap-wise right now. I didn't think they thought the Pugliarvi would be back this year. He is. It's jammed up their cap situation a bit mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what they thought they would be dealing with. Like Yanmark, if someone would have claimed him, that would have really helped them. Obviously, nobody claimed him, so it didn't help them. But they're trying to win the Stanley Cup this year, and that's what they're going to be out to do. You know, I talked about Klingberg. I think that's a guy they're going to be in on later if they determine they need it. I think they're going to be all in to win it this year. And I'm really excited to see their season. I think they have the right attitude in terms of, hey, they went to the second round in 2017. Everybody thought they were on their way and they didn't get back for years. I think they all remember that. It's kind of how they define themselves. I think they're a better team. I think they're a deeper team. And if it is true that McDavid's going to be a goal scorer this year, mm. he's going to be unstoppable even more than he already is. He may win the Rocket Richard if he decides that he's a goal scorer. Yes. And as long as like, when those two guys aren't on the ice, they don't get caved in, they're going to be just fine. And of course, there's Campbell. You know, you know the one thing about Campbell that's really interesting is it ended really badly between him and Toronto. And not just because of the contract talks. Like we have gone in depth on the contract talks. How Ugh. the two sides were miles apart. Yep. But I heard there were things that were said that both sides weren't happy with. And so Campbell, who has a reputation as being a genial, nice guy, I think he's angry about how things left. And sometimes a little bit of anger is a good thing. Uh, It can be fuel, especially for a goaltender and a spot where he can legitimately say, we might win the Stanley Cup this year. A team I think that a lot of us might have been surprised to see qualify for the postseason last year, and they don't want to let that go, and they want to build on that, are the Los Angeles Kings. Dustin Brown retires. Oli Mata is now in Detroit. But Kevin Fiala is in to help with the goal scoring. You hope for a healthy defense. You hope that Jonathan Quick can play the same way he did last season as well. Give us your thoughts on the Los Angeles Kings. Well, Quick already looks like the number one guy, right? Yes, he does. I love Quick. I'm going to miss him when he's gone. Just a hyper-competitive guy. Elite, elite, elite competitive nature. I don't care what you think about him as a player, as a goalie. He's a Hall of Fame competitor. I know you like this team a lot. I like this team a lot too. Yep. I'm really curious to see. Fiala's never had to lead the offense before. 
He's always been a complimentary player, a real good complimentary player, but the offense has never really been about you have to drive the bus. Now he's got to drive the bus. There's two really good centers he gets to play with, though, Anansi Kopitar and Philip Deneau. Like, he's like... I'm not denying that. He's got real but the, good. Uh, the top offensive play driver has to be him. In Nashville, he was behind a whole bunch of guys. In Minnesota, I mean, I, I know Kaprizov's relatively new, but it didn't take long for him to establish himself as the guy. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I think he's really been in a situation where consistently over a period of time because you know the one thing about the kings is they clearly believe in their young defense prospects Dursey, anderson at all oh yeah but the reason they went out and they got dano and the reason they went out and they got fiala was they weren't convinced about their good young offensive players or their young offensive prospects so that says to me that they're not as convinced there and he's going to have to drive the bus for a while. We saw that at this time last season when they went out and got Victor Arvidsson as well. Yep. Um, San Jose Sharks uh, out Brent Burns. He's now in Carolina. Uh, Aiden Hill is now in Vegas. Uh, in Mike Greer and David Quinn. Mike Greer, new general manager. David Quinn returns to the NHL as the bench boss. I mean, I'm curious about Timo Meyer. I talked to you about uh, him the last podcast as well uh, and that contract situation. What intrigues you about the San Jose Sharks this season? Well, for the first time in a long time, they've made core changes, right? Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd see the day where Brent Burns wasn't playing for San Jose. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought I'd see it. And he's gone. It's going to be weird to me to see him in a Carolina uniform. Like Mike Greer, he strikes me as a really decisive guy. He's got a plan. He's got things that he's going to consider. And when he decides he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And we've talked about how he comes from a family of executives. Yep. I can kind of see that already. You know, you if you have a plan, are you going to stick to that plan? Are you going to make those kinds of decisions And he's already shown evidence of doing that. The thing that I thought was really interesting was I was curious to see if Eklund and Bortolo were going to get a trial. And at least for the start of the season, as of Sunday, they've been sent down to the AHL. Like It just says to me that he's got ideas and he's going to go through them. And now we're going to see what the rest of the ideas. Vlasic, Carlson, you know, can these guys get back? Do you want to talk about Meyer at all? I just think that it's intrigu- an intriguing situation. Like to me, he's he's kind of a new age power forward kind of guy. I have always liked his game. I mean, I co- I'm always biased with the cover guys that I cover closely in junior, and I covered him, you know, during his his Memorial Cup run, uh, coming up just short against the London Knights. But uh, I I love him as a as a as a top six power forward, and I just think the contract situation is a unique one as well. Like he's really positioned himself. The cap hit is six million dollars, but you know his qualifying offer is going to be ten million dollars at the end of this season. This is a huge decision. You mentioned you know Mike Greer has a plan. Uh, Mike Greer comes from a family of executives. Mike Greer is a very deliberate person. I wonder what the what the what the plan is here for Timo Meyer. 
Well, Sheng Peng, who does a great job covering the Sharks for San Jose Hockey Now, yep. Sheng's a grinder, and I say that with deep respect. He reported, and he had it on really good authority, I think it was Claude Lemieux who said it, who represents Meyer, that they won't discuss contract until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And that goes to what you're saying, is that's a big qualifying offer. And, you know, if you're San Jose... If you make the playoffs, it's gravy, really tasty gravy. But if you don't make the playoffs, Jeff, you're done in April and you've got two and a half months to figure it out. It strikes me to be a really smart strategy from both sides. What do you think of Meyer? I'm with you. I think he's a really talented guy. I just want to see it all the time. Like, he could score 40. Yes. Like, he could go into his $10 million qualifier with 40 goals in his hip pocket. You know, he scored 35 last year. He was a point-of-game guy. He could do that every year. He's been a point-of-game guy once. Mm -hmm. He should be doing that every year. Here's also what I like about Timo Meyer, and we talked to him in Paris. He loves being the underdog. Well, I think if you look at our roster, we have some guys that are really good players, and it just... You know, the roster we have, we just need everybody to, to be a couple more percentages better. And then uh, we're, we're a good team and, and, you know, we can do it. We compete. So I think it's it's on guys like me to step up another level. And obviously there is some changes with the GM and all that. So I think it's going in the right direction. Um, it's definitely not going to be easy, but that's the fun part about it. So mm. I think that's one of the reasons why I look forward to get the season started and, uh, yeah, see how much damage we can do. And obviously we're not the favorite in the people's minds, but that's always a, a motivation for everybody. I was going to say, you're, you're probably fine with that. Like, oh, okay. 100%. Don't mind being the underdog. Yeah, prove some people wrong. So, yeah, I'm looking forward. All right, Seattle Kraken, Elliot. Uh, Burkowski's in from Colorado. Oliver Bjorkstrand from Columbus. Uh, Martin Jones in from Philadelphia. Your thoughts on season two. Season one didn't exactly go as the Kraken had hoped for. We'll see about season two. Your thoughts. I had some teams that played Seattle in the preseason say that they're going to be a lot better. Mm -hmm. First of all, they don't think Grubauer will be that bad again. That's number one. Uh, number two, they think they've got a little bit of scoring. You know, the Bjorkstrand deal was a, was a good pickup for them. Now, does that mean playoff team? I don't know, but they're expecting the Kraken to be, based on what they saw over the past couple of weeks, they think they're going to be better. And I should mention also, I'm really interested to watch Berniers and Wright. Like, Berniers really lit it up. Yeah, And I had a long talk with someone in the OHL about Shane Wright. Because this is your... I'm very sorry I'm entering your domain. <laughs> hey, I apologize easy. Get off, get off my turf there, guy. Get off you my know turf. What, you know what they said to me? They said, it all goes to how Wright channels the energy of draft night. Like They said this. And they, said, they weren't criticizing him. They just said, he's an overthinker and he puts a lot of pressure on himself. That is 100% true. And they say that that's one thing he's got to fix. Like, don't overthink about it. Don't overcriticize yourself. You're going to have, like, look at the division you're in. You're going to have nights where Anja Kopitar or Connor McDavid or Nazem Kadri or Bo Horvat is going to hand you your lunch, okay? And they just said you, you have to learn the lessons. You can't 
cave the walls in on yourself. And they felt that as soon as he learns that lesson, he's going to be just fine. I think you're looking at the next 10 years of the Seattle Kraken up the middle with those two. It should be brilliant. Yep. Like on paper, it's brilliant. I don't know how many times I've had people say to me about Shane Wright, because you're right, he really he's his own worst critic. Like there's no one who's harsher on Shane Wright than himself. Now, how many times people have said he's at his best when he just goes and plays and doesn't think about anything, just go and play. Now, it's easy to say that. I'm not Shane Wright. Uh, I don't live in his head. And I guess it's really tough because he's, I think he's one of these guys that's like driven for perfection and driven for excellence. So it's it's got to be hard to just go and play. But you're right. Like that's, that's a common theme around around Shane Wright. Anyway, you know how I feel about Shane Wright. I think he's an ex- excellent player. Ever since that draft night, if I wasn't rooting for him already, I'm rooting for him even more now. 100%. I know you love the stare, too. I know you just <laughs> love that. It's the way you look at me after a podcast. <laughs> what was he thinking? Okay, uh, the latest news out of Vancouver. Um, Jason Dickinson goes to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Vancouver Canucks welcome in Andre Kuzmenko, Ilya Mikheyev. We all wonder about a Bo Horvat extension, not if, but rather when, and where the decimal point is. Uh, what are your thoughts on Vancouver this year? First of all, last year, my pick for Vesna was Markstrom, and he finished second, so I almost was right. Mm-hmm. If you give two goalies to every team, there's 64 goalies. I was correct at 63 out of 64 times. That's the way I'm looking at it. This year, my guy is Demko. I think Demko could win the Vezina this year. You could, absolutely. Yeah, okay. You don't think I'm insane? No, I don't think you're insane at all. And if he does, then Vancouver's got a real shot at making the playoffs here. Yes, they do. And look, Myers is out. I know he takes a lot of heat there, but I think Myers matters. I do. I think that's a tough one to lose at the beginning of the season. I think they have top, top level talent. Hughes, Pedersen, Miller. I'm rooting for Besser. I can't believe that guy got hurt already. I know. Like, it's just that he has no luck. I'm rooting for Besser. And I think Horvat's going to have a monster year because the contract depends on mm-hmm. him. And um, so I think they have elite level talent. You know, this move with Dickinson, I still think they're going to look at adding another defenseman. I know Pedersen's name is all over the place, but nothing is done until it's done. And we'll see. There's been a lot of rumors that haven't come to fruition. I think this is going to be a fascinating team. And I'll say this, like we talked about it briefly in the Eastern Conference pod the other day. I think Larkin and Horvat are kind of eyeing each other and saying, okay, like we know what Barzell got. I was going to say, they're they're both looking at Matt Barzell and saying, thank you. You know, I have to say this. So I went on uh, Don Taylor and Rick Dollywell's show the other week. I go on every two weeks. And I wanted to say thanks to them because they donate my earnings to the Canucks Uh, autism network which i'm proud to donate to and i said that one of the comparables there i think is couturier that it is couturier 7.75 and people are like bo harvat should be in the sixes no and i said like are you guys nuts do you think that look at where contracts are going here for centers do you really think that you're going to get horvat in the six millions come on It's starting with seven, at least, and we'll see where it goes. Now, I don't know that it's going to get to eight. I don't know that. But here's the thing. I think he wants to stay there. I think they want him to stay. 
Vancouver showed this year. They said no Miller. They gave him eight. We'll see where this goes. He's flat out one of my favorite players. Period. I've been a fan forever. I, I I cheer for that guy all day. And to be honest with you, Elliot, I never thought we'd be sitting here at the beginning of the season talking about how Bo Horvat's contract extension's not done. I'm shocked that we're here having this talk. Anyway, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Pacioretty is now in Carolina. The Donoff is now in Montreal. Bruce Cassidy is a new bench boss for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, their goaltenders do not include Robin Leonard, and we wish him all the best. We'll always yes. mention that. Um, Aiden Hill, Logan Thompson, Laurent Boissois, your thoughts on the Knights? Haig signed, so they start fresh. I'm really curious to see this team. I think they could be one of the most fascinating teams in the NHL, but the good news for them is that they start fresh because Haig is signed. This is a big year for Eichel. Healthy, full season. Stone. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about what they took out of his back, and he feels great. In goal is the big question. Brassois won't be ready, but I know there's a lot of believers in Thompson out there. I think this is a fascinating, fascinating team. So my wife, Serve It Up Steph, on Instagram, she made pumpkin squares for Canadian Thanksgiving the other day. Okay? Mm -hmm. I wanted to eat them. On Saturday, <laughs> her pumpkin squares are so good. So I was so, on so the good. other end of the phone when you ate one. Do you remember this That's conversation, right. Elliot? Right. Yes, I did. What are you oh. doing? Oh, Steph made these pumpkin squares. <laughs> but I wasn't allowed to eat them yesterday because she said they they have to set. You have to let it set. You have to let it mold together. And I waited an extra day. And so I forgot we were on the phone together when I ate them. Oh, yeah. And Jeff, they were so, so good. Oh, they sounded it. So what is the lesson here? Sometimes you have to let the ingredients cook. I think that the thing that Vegas needs to do is pick a group and stay with that group. You know, on one hand, I understood what they were doing. They were thinking to themselves, great players only become available so often. So you have to be involved in any great player. I think we learned in this case, it was too much. Too much. Mm -hmm. Too much instability. And they have to say to the group, this is our group. We're going with it. We've been talking about this for a while, though, with them, right? I know. Okay, to the central. Arizona Coyotes. Okay, we all know the score here. We all know what the game is for the Arizona Coyotes. It's that guy that's playing in Regina for the Pats, one of the most historic teams across the entire Canadian Hockey League. But there are still questions. There's a Jacob Chikrin question. I would throw in a Shane Gostas Bear question as well. Um, they bring in Yusuf Alamaki, claim him off waivers from the Calgary Flames. Your thoughts on Arizona? What are they doing here? Well, look, they're going for Connor Bedard. You know, I think the other <laughs> thing, too, we should mention is that Dylan Gunther looked really good in training camp and exhibition games. Yep. I saw a little bit. I was impressed. I know other people who watched him, they were really impressed. What are they? They're going for Bedard. They're trying to collect assets. I think this Chikrin thing, you know. 
We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. The first thing I wanted to update was Jacob Chikrin. The Coyotes were just out in Western Canada. They were doing a bonding trip, and then they had some games out there. And they had hoped that when they got back, Jacob Chikrin could resume practicing with them. He's skating, but his wrist isn't 100%, so he's not practicing with them yet. That's not going to be the case. I think there's some hope that he could practice with them at the end of the week, but it could be later. And I think most of the teams that are interested in Chikrin are going to want to see him play before they pull the trigger. Now, there always could be someone different who says, no, uh, we are okay and we'll make the deal. But because of what's happened with Ryan Ellis and the Philly and Nashville trade and his injury situations, I think teams are generally going to be overly careful. So I think this kind of slows down for a bit while we wait to see if Chikrin is healthy. You know, Arizona's, a re- they really get upset at some of the coverage of them. Fine. I understand that you have to have pride in your organization. I completely get that. But unfortunately, not all of it, but a lot of it is warranted. And I just think if you're trying to change the narrative around your group and you're trying to sell this as a fun atmosphere to play in, you have to try to remove all of the other stories that could potentially derail that. Okay. The Chikrin situation looms large. It's clear the player wants to go. It's clear the team wants to trade him. I understand you've got a target, but I think you have to make a choice and say, do we end this or do we understand that this is going to overshadow a lot of the other things we do? So what do you think happens? Oh, he's going to get traded. I just don't know what it's going to be. Do you have a thought on Shane Gostaspair going as well? Yeah, it'll be interesting because when Gostaspair left Philadelphia, his reputation wasn't great, but he's played really well there. Sure has. And, you know, if you're looking for a good puck mover in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. I know the playoffs are hard, but you still have to score goals to win. That makes sense to me. I've always wondered if somewhere down the road there's a reunification with Dave Haxtall. This time in Seattle. Oh, you think so, eh? He really played well. with. Remember that rookie year when Haxtell used him almost perfectly? Yes. It was fantastic. I've always wondered if somewhere down the road these two get back together again. I wonder if the one of the ultimate destinations here for Gosses Bear, who we should point out is an unrestricted free agent at season's end. I wonder if it's Seattle. I just throw that out there for nothing other than coffee shop chatter. That's just my own little brain. So I think we're all wondering what the season is going to feel like, look like, sound like uh, with the Arizona Coyotes. And we all know about the rink. Always curious as well what the players are saying about the season. We asked Clayton Keller that at the NHL Players Tour in Vegas. I mean, I think they're all, it's all obviously new to, to everyone just with, you know, playing at SU and kind of having a tough schedule to start a lot of road, a lot of road games. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, we play the same amount of road games as everyone else. And, um, you know, I think we'll, we're going to be a better team this year. We know what to expect from our coaching staff. Um, you know, we got some veteran players, um, that came in. So, you know, people can say whatever, but I think we're going to be a better team for sure. I want to see him back and healthy too. I rooting for him. 
Chicago Blackhawks, when we talk about aggressive races for Connor Bedard, it's not just the Coyotes here, it's the Hawks. New head coach Luke Richardson, uh, new goaltenders Peter Mrazek and Alex Stalock, and we wonder what the future is for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves with this team, if indeed there is any at all. Your thoughts on the Hawks and the issues that follow. What are those games going to be like this year between Arizona and Chicago? Nobody wants to shoot. <laughs> you, know, you know who's going to be playing hard? Kane and Taves. That's yes, they will. Yeah, they will. Yes. they will. Yeah, they will. Those guys will be playing hard. We all know what Chicago's doing. You know, Reichel got sent down. I was curious. I, I got to think he's going to be back at some I point. I think we're going to see Lucas Reichel this yeah. year, Elliot. Look, you, you just want to see the kids, right? And how they do. Yeah. I assume Taves is going to be traded. I assume Kane is going to be traded. You know, we both said in the Eastern pod, we think that New York is the most likely team um, for Kane. New York Rangers. Yeah, Rangers. You know, Taves, you know, I've mentioned Colorado. You know, one other team, I I kind of wondered, like, does, I, I know I'm trading everybody to Edmonton on this pod, but I wonder if Taves would make sense there. But we'll see. I mean, there's time to figure this out. Here's another one. Would Taves make sense with the Boston Bruins? Yeah, you've been on that for a while, and you're just not giving. Not letting it go. Right? Not letting. Yeah, not letting yeah, it go. I, know. No. That's, I understand. That's what I'm that. trying to marry. Once him. you get, sometimes you get something, and you're like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not giving up. Gonna will this to happen. I'm gonna just think this into reality. By the way, one thing about Kane, there was a there was a wild rumor going around that Kane might have some hip problems that could cause him some issue, mm-hmm. and I looked into that and was told uh, that's that is a little overblown that he felt fine. On the other end of the spectrum, here's a question about the Avalanche. Can they repeat? So Kadri's out. It's the Alex Newhook show slash audition. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, welcome to Colorado. Bowen Byram is a impending RFA in the way the contracts are going now and the way that Byram played towards the end of last season into the playoffs gives you reason for optimism, big optimism. And one of the questions we have about Kale McCarr is, can this guy win the heart as early as this season? Your thoughts on the Avs, and can they repeat? I think they can absolutely repeat. They've got a couple of the best players in the league. I'm curious about the goaltending, but it's proven that you just need somebody who can consistently stop the puck, and they'll be okay. The Byram thing, there were a couple teams that were saying to me that that was one of the, as someone who will have to go through Colorado, there are teams that said the way Byram played in the playoffs last year was the worst news anybody could have gotten. Oh, yeah. Because he looks like Makar Light, and he's still pretty heavy. Like, he's not a skinny guy. Um, That's a huge thing for Colorado. You know, the second-line center, I'm assuming they'll address that later in the year. You know, right now they've got Newhook there, and it's a big year for Comfer because he's a UFA at the end of the season. But I would assume they'll go out and add somebody during the year. What's not to like there? Do you think any of those guys are going to be satisfied, any of them? No, because to a person they're talking about, the thirst isn't quenched yet, that they want more. They're not just happy with one. And, you know, have they, they lost a couple of players? Sure. Lost a little off their fastball? Sure. But still, put this in our Sportsnet predictions, I have them winning the Stanley Cup again. Like, I have... You know, I didn't want to do that. Why not? I have to get mine in. I, I don't know. I, just, I don't like to pick repeats. Well, I mean, if you... Repeats are boring. I'd rather go down in flames than pick someone to read. Here's what I like about Colorado. It's a good thing nobody on the internet remembers bad predictions. <laughs> yeah, and, and brings them up constantly. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's why I love it. 
I want more teams to play like Colorado. I know not everybody can have Rantanen and McKinnon and Landeskog and uh, Kale McCarr and you know Sam Gerrard and everybody, Devon Taves, but still... Like I just love that style of play, and I want that style to be rewarded. Like I look at teams all season long, and I say, you know, I, I cheer for players and I cheer for styles. Like I want this style to be successful because I want other teams to play like this. That's why I cheer for Colorado, and that's why I want to see them do well because I want other teams to try to duplicate it. So even from my little corner, by saying, even though Elliot thinks this is boring, I'm still going to take the Colorado Avalanche to repeat. <laughs> I legit want it to happen. Like I'm trying to will Jonathan Taves to Boston. I'm trying to will Colorado back to a Stanley Cup win because I want more teams to try to play like this. Is that palatable to you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I totally understand. I just won't do it because I don't want to. I'd rather go down in flames than make a boring pick. All right, very well. Dallas Stars, no more John Klingberg, no more Alex Radulov, uh, Riley Damiani, who we talked about on the podcast uh, not too long ago. He's been sent to the American Hockey League. Uh, Wyatt Johnston is on the roster for now. You wonder what the play there is this season. Is it the nine-game special, go play with the World Juniors, and then back to Windsor? Don't know. Uh, Thomas Harley goes down. Logan Stankhoven to Kamloops. He looks fantastic. And they welcome Nils Lundqvist to the mix. Your thoughts on Dallas, now coached by Peter DeBoer. Got the guy that needed to get signed. Robertson's in. Yep. I like the stars. I do. I'm curious to see the way that DeBoer has them playing. Um, this was not a really offensive team under bonus. He's tight, tight, tight. DeBoer's teams try to play a bit more offensive. But what's interesting about teams he coaches, a lot of shots from the point, which doesn't happen as much generally across the NHL anymore. And so I'm curious to see does he change the way he tried to play offense at all in Vegas, uh, in Dallas? So I do think they're going to open that up. Uh, I do like their team a lot in terms of personnel. And as you said, they have a lot of good players coming. Mm-hmm. I think this Dallas team, a lot of it depends on you know what can Ben and Sagan give them. But I like the team. I think they play the kind of hard game that can win night in and night out in the NHL. Uh, as I mentioned, no John Klingberg. He's now in Anaheim. Uh, and I always do wonder, like, when they when, when Peter DeBoer uh, joined, because so much, like, you're right, a lot of it is shots from the point and creating rebounds. You wonder what John Klingberg would have done uh, with a coach like Peter DeBoer. But nonetheless, Klingberg is out, and that means more responsibility for Miro Haskinen uh, and more opportunity to be offensive. We caught up with him in Europe as well and asked him what he's working on for this season. This offseason I worked worked lots of uh, speed and, and strength, but I think my biggest goal for the next season is to create more offensively and be mm. be more creative in offensive zones, score more points. I think that's my one of the biggest goals for, for the next season. I have been working on, on that too during during yeah. the summer. How do you do that? Uh, of course on the ice have some different Different shootings, shooting drills and goal scoring drills. I have Saros practicing with me, so mm. it's pretty tough, tough opponent. And of course, it's great, great to have him there and try to try to score guys like that. We were talking about Klingberg, and I kind of wonder if that's the reason you're thinking about that. Like, you're obviously Dallas's number one defenseman, and you move the puck a lot through the middle of the ice. But Klingberg was kind of the scorer. I wonder, do you see it now as he's not there, so? 
I better start doing more of that. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think uh, one thing I can improve a lot it's is my shot. I I want that to be a lot better. So that's that's the one thing I've been working on a lot this summer. And sorrows probably doesn't give you a lot of room there too, does no. it? No, no, <laughs> no. Unfortunately not. But yeah. Okay, so Elliot, in yesterday's podcast, you talked about how you're always trying to get Charlie McAvoy a Norris Trophy. Does Miro yeah. Haskinen have one in his future as well? One at a time, Jeff. I have to get <laughs> McAvoy one first, and then I'll get Haskinen one. All right, very good. Lobby for uh, lobby for the Finn soon. He's he's got a Norris Trophy at counting. That's what he's got. Yes, uh, and confusing us, which isn't that hard, really. But nonetheless, uh, Minnesota Wild. So they lose Kevin Fiala. He goes to the Los Angeles Kings. You know, Matthew Boldy had a wonderful season last year. You know, we wondered about Fiala with Los Angeles without Boldy. Maybe we wonder about Boldy without Fiala. The season will tell the story there. We all know the Minnesota Wilds cap situation uh, and how much they're playing behind the eight ball here. But what do you make of Minnesota? And are you with me? You still think that Bill Guerin has some trades to make? I do. I think he's going to look at his score. But what I think, though, first is he wants to see what he's got. He's got some really talented players uh, who played well in the exhibition in camp, and I think he wants to give them a shot. He'll wait and see how they do. Like, I feel bad for Matt Dumba every year. Like, even when they extend him, he can't get out of the trade rumors. Oh, it's nonstop. I know, it's nonstop. <laughs> and, but the one thing it sounds like there is, I think this is a GM who understands the business and a player who knows what it's like to be in the middle of the maelstrom so much that I think they can do it and go this year without a contract and figure it out later. I don't think that could work in a lot of situations, Mm -hmm. but I think it could work in this one. I believe the Wild knew all along it was going to be borderline impossible to get Fiala done. They knew what he wanted. Oh, for sure. Yes, yes. I'm sure they tried. But they just didn't think it was going to be possible. With Dumba, I just believe that Garen will look at it and say, this is a player who's been with the Wild his entire career. This is a mature guy who knows how to handle a lot of this kind of stress, and he will just play. And if we're able to sort it out, we'll sort it out. And I don't think every situation's like that, but I think this one, he would. Nashville Predators. Nino Niederreiter is in. A lot of encouragement there from Roman Yossi. Ryan McDonough is in uh, to improve an already impressive defensive group. We'll see a lot of UC Saros. Philip Forsberg stays. That's a huge relief. I mentioned Mm -hmm. Ellie Tolvanen and how he looks early, and we all know about that shot, etc. What's your thought on Nashville this season? Like Deshane was great last year. Johansson was great last year. I think everyone's crossing their fingers in Nashville and saying, please do that again. What do you think of the Preds? So last year, I thought they were underestimated. I like them. I do. I like McDonough. I think he's perfect for a team that's trying to grow. And I'm surprised at where we are with the Predators. I actually thought that they weren't going to be this much on the upswing this quickly. But they had a good year last year. I never thought Forsberg was going to leave. I know others didn't agree, but I thought he really wanted to stay, and it was just a matter of a veteran GM and a veteran agent grinding until they got there. Last year, they lost Saros 
And that was it. I think it's so huge that they already got a win from Lankanen. I know it's San Jose who's not supposed to have a great year this year. I just think you've got to give yourself a chance when Saros isn't playing. You know, one of the things that you mentioned there, and I think we all wondered about, you seem quite sure about it. Um, I don't think a lot of people were so sure that Philip Forsberg was coming back. We had a chance to catch up with Roman Yossi at the NHL Players Tour and asked if he thought Forsberg was coming back. First thing is, I'm going to bet that you thought there was never a chance that Philip Forsberg was leaving. Uh, I got a little nervous, not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we all knew he wanted to stay, and obviously uh, Predators wanted him to stay. We all wanted him to stay, but yeah, it was a little late in the summer. I thought it would happen earlier. but So we all got a little nervous, but I'm glad it got done. Did he call you and say, hey, it's going to work out, or, or how did that conversation go? Uh, no, but I remember uh, just talking to him kind of before I think the negotiations kept going on and going on and um i just kind of talked to him a little bit and yeah just told him how like how much we want him to come back obviously as a team and just from from our our perspective and um but also like i know how it goes like negotiations sometimes are a little like more complicated so yeah you don't want to put any pressure on a guy um everybody goes through it so but yeah um once it got done uh, uh david called me right away and obviously it was really really good news We wish the Nashville Predators all the best. Um, St. Louis Blues. So some of the stories here, extending Jordan Cairo, um, the Scott Prunovich injury, which is a real real tough one for him. Um, Such a talented defenseman. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly on the last year of his deal. Vlad Tarasenko on the last year of his deal. Thomas Grice comes in uh, to back up Jordan Bennington. I like St. Louis. Elliot, what do you think of the Blues? I like them a lot too. The one thing about them is I kind of wonder if they're a little bit of a team in transition. If you look at it, is this Tarasenko's last year there? Is this O'Reilly's last year there? I don't know, man. If Tarasenko played like last season, why wouldn't you bring him back? Well, it might not be your choice. It could be his. I know. I know. The other thing too is I look at the defense. Does it look like a Craig Berube Doug Armstrong defense to you? No. And that's why I wondered, like I always wondered about both Perunovic and Krug in the lineup together and saying, you can have one, but, but, but can you have two? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what I always wondered about those two, but no, this doesn't look like a, you know, smash them up against the glass in your face. Blue line. There's a lot of skill in Justin Falk. There's a lot of skill in, Nick Letty and Tori Krug, et, et cetera, Colton Pareko. But this isn't, you know, four Chris Prongers and two Ben Wilsons. That's my point. Like, I, I look at it like Scandella's hurt right now. So your your defense is Pareko, who's a big guy. Krug, who plays tough. There's no question about that. Oh, he plays that. hard. Just not, yep. not a big man. Justin Falk is a kind of a thick guy. Not the biggest guy, but he's thick. You know, Letty's not known for his physicality. Skater. Bortuzzo sure is. But yeah. when they won the Stanley Cup, and, and you know Barube and you know Armstrong, they were mountains to get through. And that's the one thing I look at them and I say, are they comfortable with this? I think we've made the point before, Elliot, that the minute Alex Petrangelo left, they tried to find players 
who all collectively did what Alex Petrangelo can do as a single player. Mm-hmm. Like this guy can do a little bit of what Alex Petrangelo did, and that guy can do a little bit of what Petrangelo did. And collectively, maybe we can all sort of, as a group, replicate what this one unique defenseman was able to do, which is why like, I still maintain like that was an, an enormous loss, an enormous loss for the St. Louis Blues. I still like them. But that one was a giant loss. Petrangelo was a, was a huge loss for them. To me, O'Reilly, we talked about Dumba. Dumba talking about how he's mature enough to handle all this. I think O'Reilly is too. And O'Reilly's got to be able to look around him and see what's happened. He's seen this team extend Shen. Yep. Um, he's seen this team extend Cairo and Thomas. He's seen the team lose Petrangelo. He knows what he's dealing with. He's a smart guy, and I don't. I think he'll just go out and he'll play hard. And I would expect the same out of Tarasenko. I with you. I think they're a really good team. I like watching them a lot. The one thing I just look at with this group is that it doesn't look like an Armstrong Barube defense. We'll see if that changes. Let's get to our final team here on the previews, and that is the Winnipeg Jets, and they have a new bench boss, and that's Rick Bonus. They do not have a captain after Blake Wheeler had the C stripped from him. Uh, we all know about the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation and speculation. And one thing I do want to mention, you know who looked really good in preseason? I know we talked a lot about you know Brad Lambert and you know, he got sent to Manitoba, the American Hockey League, 30th overall draft pick. Man, Cole Perfetti looked really good. Elliot, Perfetti is, sorry to rhyme this one, but Perfetti is ready. Oh my God, that's so bad. For that big step. I know. So bad. See, I look at Winnipeg and I'm wondering, there's this big debate, like how much is a coach worth, right? Mm -hmm. Bonus is going to test that this year. What was one of Winnipeg's problems? They were leaky. Mm -hmm. Bonus is anti-leaky. As a matter of fact, I want him to come over and fix my plumbing. He is (laughs) anti-leaky. I think you're afraid of leaking pucks though, not... uh, What was one of the other complaints about the Jets? Well, the room ran too hot. Their stars had too much control. Yeah, room ran hot. He's not going to let that happen. They've taken the C off Wheeler, and he's already gone after his star players for shifts, right? Yep. To me this year, like they didn't change a ton of personnel. They still have really talented players there. A lot about what this year is going to be about is, like we talked about Shesterkin. Can you make life, he's so good, but can you make life easier on him? Hello, Buck. Yeah. But number two is, can a coach add wins to your team by the way he forces you to play and the distribution and control he has over your room? We're going to find out this year in Winnipeg. What is the one thing that Rick Bonus knows how to do best? That is how to play defensively. And I think we'll start to see that with the Winnipeg Jets right away. Mm -hmm. As much as we'd love to see... You know, Cal Connor and Mark Shifley and Ehlers and Wheeler and Dubois, you know, shoot the lights out. Mm-hmm. I think the accent is squarely going to be on defense. Forwards playing D and defensemen playing more traditional D as well. To your point about being leaky, I think the first thing you do is button it up. That's the first thing the bonus does. That's what he just did in Dallas, right? Some players liked it, some players didn't. Yep. But it helped the team. And I think you start to see the same thing from the Winnipeg Jets there with bonus. That's what it feels like to me. 
Final thought on the West here, Fridge. I think that Colorado repeats, but that's just me. And according to you, that's boring. Yes, it is boring. Like I think you're probably right. I think they do repeat, but I'm going to try to pick someone else. I might pick Edmonton or something. I'll see. Ooh, sexy choice. Uh, okay, so there you go. So those are the two preview shows onto regular podcasts uh, on Thursday when we get back to it. Taking us out today, a singer and guitarist whose unique brand of surf blues is a hat tip to his roots growing up on the Australian coast. Gab Winterfield, stage name Golf Alpha Bravo, has released a pair of records in 2020 and a bunch of new singles over the last couple of years. With Thank You Seattle, here's Golf Alpha Bravo. That is a heck of a name. On 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Enjoy the season. Yeah.